customers will let you know if you've put out a crappy product. They have done it with products that we put out. And that's okay. Because guess what? When we're reformulating or we're putting out another new product, we know what to avoid. Hi there, it's Sewa, and welcome to a winter refresh of episode 27 of the She's Off Script podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In today's episode, we're revisiting one of your favorite episodes with the CEO of Colored Rain Cosmetics, Lorraine Dowdy. When she was last on our show, Lorraine alluded to a big collaboration she had coming out, and it turned out to be a new collaboration with the hit star show, Power. Even more recently, a preview video of their upcoming foundation launch has gone viral to the tune of 7 million views in three days. Her company is now on track to hit $10 million in revenue this year. Lorraine inspired so many of us when her episode first aired, and I hope you can draw inspiration from it again during our Winter Refresh series. With that, join me as we go off script with the founder and CEO of Colored Rain Cosmetics, Lorraine R. Dowdy. Lorraine Dowdy, welcome to She's Off Script. How are you today? I'm wonderful, Sewa. How are you? I'm doing so well. I'm really excited to jump into this interview with you because I'm such a big fan. But before we jump into the interview, I have to interrupt the regularly scheduled programming to say how much I loved the Claude Kamini dress that you wore for your Safari Rain campaign. You, I'm, you know what? I'm wearing the head. Yes, I see it. Claude is everything. It was amazing working with her, her energy, her spirit. She's such a beautiful, beautiful person. <gasps> I love everything about her. And I'm about women empowerment and, you know, um, supporting my fellow sisters. No, I'm a big fan. But what are you going to do with that dress? And can I borrow it? <laughs> Listen, my dress is hanging up very nicely in the closet. And I'm trying to uh, come up with another event that I can possibly wear it with. If not, it needs to go in a museum that seriously is it's like the wedding dress you put it up and you're yeah. like where do I wear it again <laughs> oh well you know what I did say to Claude that when I renew my vows with my husband that I will have her design me another piece oh man amazing oh so good so good but well let's jump back into it then so for <laughs> the listeners who haven't heard of you or your brand colored rain could you give us a quick elevator pitch so we get to know you a little bit Absolutely. Colored Rain is about inclusivity. It's welcoming all walks of life, all skin tones, all races, everything. We welcome everything that brings joy to, to, to someone's life. Um, we produce products that can, you know, tell a story from beginning to end. And our customers would, you know, absolutely love what we put out from the quality to the packaging, everything. We like to captivate our audience and just keep them very much in tune with what we put out. I read that you started out in finance. I did. What did you do in finance and why did you decide to go into that to begin with? And I was really good at it, to be very honest. <laughs> I was in um, corporate America for at least 16, 17 years, mm-hmm. between 17 years. And I was the executive assistant mm-hmm. to a lot of powerful managing directors, um, even to some partners, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't a passion of mine. It was just something that I did um, to grow my tenure in the industry that mm-hmm. I was in and something that was bringing in a steady very good paycheck. Right. So it's 
something that I did, but it, it wasn't anything that I was passionate about. So, but I'm very thankful for the training that I had and the experience that I was um, offered simply because it has groomed me to be the businesswoman that I am today. I've learned so much. So even though I didn't like it, I've learned a lot. And for that, I'm very grateful. And that often is the story I hear from a lot of women who do make the leap is it their stint in corporate America just laid the foundation for building that business that they are really passionate about. So in your case, how did you know when it was time to take the leap into starting your own company? And, you know, what boxes did you need to check off before you were comfortable with your decision? Well, to be very honest with you, the last job that I had in corporate America, I remember walking into the interview um, and I'm the type of person that when I walk into an environment, wherever it is, um, or whatever it has to deal with, I assess everything down from the lighting, um, you know, the, the atmosphere, the, the energy that as soon as I walk into the place, mm -hmm. um, and that's exactly, I remember specifically, that's exactly what I did when I was walking in and out of that interview. And I said to God, I said, God, this has to be the last job in corporate America. I can't do this anymore. Mm. And I, I kind of knew that, um, I wasn't a hundred percent in love with the jobs from the time I walked in. The lighting was just very depressing for me. And mm. I'm like, here we go again. Mm -hmm. um, but I will do what I need to do to make sure that I can start whatever it is that I wanted to do at the time. Um, and I did that. I took the opportunity, um, worked overtime, worked. I went in extra hours as much as I disliked the job. I Oof. worked the extra hours that I needed to, to help build the finances that I needed to start the brand. So said, so done. It was my last job. I walked away. I had that blessed assurance. I knew it was my time to walk. Mm -hmm. And I, I took that leap of faith and never looked back. And to this day, here we are seven, almost seven years later. So coming from your Grenadian heritage, how did your family receive the news of you quitting and leaving corporate America to start your own business? Were they supportive? Well, you know, West Indians can be very set in their ways, mm -hmm. right? They very similar to West Africans. Yes, right, right. So they don't necessarily like change too much. Mm -hmm. Their thing is, if you have stability, stay there. Right. But I have to tell you, each and every one of my family members, I'm very, I have a very, very, very big family. Mm -hmm. Each and every one of them was very supportive of the decision. Not one of them talked me out of it. Oh, I, I had one aunt. One of my aunts um, said to me, you know, Lorraine, as your grandmother used to say, take little and live long. And I'm like, you know, mm. I respect that. I understand that. But sometimes in life, you just have to walk out on faith. And that's what I did. No, I absolutely agree. And I think that mentality is what leaves so many people to look back on their lives years down the line and think, I didn't fulfill what God put me on earth to do. Amen. And that Amen. is the worst feeling to, to just to think to that you have not lived to your fullest potential, right? Can you imagine leaving this world and not doing what your, whatever your purpose, whatever it is that God had set out for you to do, mm -hmm. whatever you're passionate about, you know what I mean? Right. You have to feel, who wants to wake up and feel like a robot every day? Because that's how I felt working in corporate America and I couldn't mm -hmm. do it anymore. Mm -hmm. I just felt like a robot and it was just, I wake up every day, the alarm clock goes off, I suck my teeth, I'm upset, I'm Ooh. mentally disturbed, I'm like, I can't do this anymore, taking public transportation into work, being surrounded by energy that I wasn't happy with being surrounded with. So I had to make that change for myself. And fear is the one factor that holds people back mm -hmm. from 
pursuing their dreams. And that's why I tell people every day, whatever opportunity you have, work hard and then get to where it is that you need to get to in life. Whatever brings that, whatever you're passionate about, whatever brings joy, happiness to you, you should do it. Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is, do it. Because you don't want to wake up every day being miserable and upset. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So at the point where you made your transition into the cosmetics industry, how did you go about navigating it? That, that's not necessarily something you're going to learn sitting on a trading floor somewhere. You know what? And I did not have anyone. I didn't have a mentor mm-hmm. that I can you know, pick up the phone and ask, hey, how do you do this? Things of that nature. I have always been a research queen. Mm. That was one thing I was known for, especially like straight out of high school. Whenever I was intrigued or interested in anything, I would take my time to do whatever necessary um, research I needed to, to do to start whatever it was. Mm. A lot of people don't notice I started in hair first, but I just wasn't necessarily 100% passionate about the hair mm-hmm. than I was with the makeup. So I, di- I divulged a lot of my energy and time into research, into starting a beauty brand. And I started when times were wonderful. It was exciting. It was fun. Mm-hmm. It still is fun. Um, it's just a little bit more saturated and competitive now. Right. Um, do not look at that as um, a, a, a determinant factor for me to just be discouraged. Nope. You should always look at it as an opportunity for you to push yourself mm-hmm. to be better and create more and enjoy more what you do and put out more quality. It's, it's, it's a great mix. You're just efficient upon and you have to do your best to stand out. But, um, yeah, I just took my time out. I did at least one year, one to two years before I actually opened the brand Mm -hmm. and I tested products. A lot of people don't know this before colored rain hit the market. I tested uh, private label products Mm. I'm, I'm more like a leaf that blows in the wind. I like to do things on my own time. I like to be able to create things and, and say, yes, I like this color story or I like this texture. Or I don't mm-hmm. like this. With private labels, you don't have that freedom to do so. Uh. And in, in testing, um, I want to say within a matter of two to three months, the products that I was testing at the time destroyed itself. And it was in the height of summer in New Jersey. So at the time I was living there. So, you know, New York and New Jersey get some really bad heat. Yes, the humidity. And for oily girls like me, that product better ride long. (laughs) It destroyed itself. It destroyed itself before it even hit the market. Was I upset about the money that I had saved up and, and invested into this. I was a little sad at first, mm-hmm. but I was happy that, um, I, you know, things worked out the way it did because could you imagine me putting that out on the market and then complaining maybe a month or two later? Well, that could ruin but, you uh, as a brand. Absolutely. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So from that, I said, okay, private labeling is not the way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I decided to do contract manufacturing. I was Thoroughly elated and happy to do that simply because, um, you know, a lot of people, I will say, when they're starting a business in the beginning, don't get the opportunity to work with a contract manufacturing because, you know, when you don't have any kind of financial backing right. and you're doing this independently, it can be very taxing and strenuous on your pockets. Mm-hmm. So how did you find the contract manufacturer that you went with to begin with? Research. Research, research, research. I I basically um, went to Google. Google, Mm -hmm. I keep telling people, is it can be your very best friend. Absolutely. And 
in the era that I grew up, I'm a 70s baby. Mm. So in the era that I grew up, there was no such thing as the World Wide Web or anything like that. So we had encyclopedias, we had yellow pages. I'm grateful for the era that we live in with technology, how much it has advanced because Mm -hmm. because of it, I was able to do the necessary research that I needed to do. So I spent a good um, 12 months to 24 months um, of Mm R&D working with a contract manufacturer that I had found at the time in New Jersey. And from there put, I was no, I started out with just lips, traditional classic lipsticks. Mm -hmm. That's what was known for because we um, put out like a whole bunch of different color, bold, edgy lipsticks. I'm talking about yellow, green, mm. um, magenta, fuchsia, royal blue lipsticks, and bullet in classic lipsticks. Mm-hmm. So at the time, that's what we were known for. And we had a few staple shades, Arabian Night being one of them mm. and, and Persian Queen being another one of them. It was the line just grew from there. And then from there, I started to work on um, putting out eye products. Mm. And so in testing eye product, I wanted to make sure that I was able to develop a line of cosmetics that would stand out for us brown girls. Right. That was something that was very lacking at the time back in 2013. So now I have to ask, so as you were now doing all of your R&D, doing all of your testing, was this before or after you'd already left your job? This was, I was still at my job. You were still at I your job. At my okay. Job for a good year and a half to two years. And then two years. And after about a year and a half to two years of starting the brand, then I left. Okay. Fast forward to when you left your job. What were the first 10 things on your business checklist once you were firmly on the entrepreneurial side of things? Um, customer service, uh-huh. productivity as far as presentation, mm-hmm. quality encouraging, believe it or not, encouraging uh, women to be able to wear the product, mm-hmm. the bold colors and that nature. Because I, I notice a lot um, of women of color, we shy away from, from bold colors. And because society has put in our head that, oh, you're too dark to wear this mm-hmm. or no, that's too bright for your skin tone. I remember going to one of my friend's baby showers and this was probably a year in when I started the brand. Um, and one of my girlfriends said to me, oh my God, Lorraine, you should wear this bright pink lipstick. And I was like, are you crazy? I'm going to, with my big lips, it's not going to look good. And I feel like everyone is going to look at me because I, I tend to shy away from, you know, being the center of attention. Mm-hmm. I like to just, you know, be there and do my thing. Yet here um, you are at the head of a company. <laughs> right. And I'm still trying to break out of that shell. Mm-hmm. But I remember her saying to me, Lorraine, it will look fabulous on your skin tone. And you know what? What I had to learn and in working with a couple of my very good friends are um, um, celebrity makeup artists, one of them being Kill Pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aiden Zempire had mentioned to me that, Lorraine, if you ever want to wear something that you feel is a little bit too bold or out of your comfort zone, tone it down with a liner. Ah. You know, and from that, now I am addicted. You'll see me put on some, I'm talking about a bright fuchsia pink lipstick. I will do an electric orange. I would do literally like, um, you know, a neon orange and I would wear it. I tone it down and the compliments that I get is amazing. It's amazing the tricks that you can come up with in a makeup world. So I wanted to create products that we would feel comfortable wearing mm-hmm. and people would stop and say, oh my gosh, girl, what do you have on your lips? What are you wearing on your eyes? And that's the kind of compliments I get. I see feedback, emails, things of that nature. People don't know I'm very much involved. So how did you um, encourage women then? 
how, how did I encourage mm-hmm. by actually doing it myself? Mm-hmm. And then from there, having my friends and my family. And then actually what I would do, the, the little events that I would do, I would go and I would wear the bold colors and I would speak to my customers and I'd let them know, listen, you're beautiful. You, you're, you're black is beautiful mm-hmm. and you can wear whatever it is that makes you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just giving those words of encouragement and saying to my fellow sister, you know what, you're stunning and this would look stunning on you. It's not even about a sales pitch. It's literally like, girl, you can wear this Mm -hmm. and you can rock the hell out of it, you know? And from that, when they get that kind of level of of confidence from another sister, Mm -hmm. they're like, you know what, I can. And they walk with their heads high and they feel more confident. That's what it's about with wearing Colored Rain product. You should feel confident. Don't let this world tell you that you can't and, oh, it doesn't go for your skin tone. Back then, this is now, honey. And that's why representation matters so much because oftentimes all it takes is to see someone looking like you who does it and does it well, does it confidently. And then you know, oh, this is something that's also possible for me. It's, you know, it applies to business. It also applies to makeup as well. So, so kind of going down that checklist that you had when you first started running your business. So, you know, you'd mentioned encouraging was part of it. What else were you focused on right out of the gate? I just wanted to make sure that people fell in love with the quality. Quality was mm-hmm. one of my main um, and offering customer service mm-hmm. because I see the commentary often and just dealing in experience. I notice people, they're like, oh, you should shop at black, shop, black, shop, black. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for shopping black and, and, and giving back to our community. The thing that scares people away is they felt, they feel that shopping black, sometimes you don't get the best service. Mm. So I'm here to prove those people wrong that no, that's not true. That's not necessarily true. Uh, the color of your skin should not determine the type of service that you get. Absolutely. So let me be that role model. Let me offer you that great customer service so that you can, you know, trust me and develop loyalty with me. And then maybe you'll feel comfortable going shopping other brands because you should not have a negative experience and then connotate negativity with every black brand that you shop. Mm-hmm. You- able to say, you know what, I like this product that Sewa is, is, is selling. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, shop her business and I'm going to spread the word to my friends and my family. I'm going to go to coloredrain.com. I'm going to spread the word to my friends and my family and be confident in what it is that you're, you're purchasing. So that was one of the key things mm-hmm. that everyone on my team would tell you, I'm all about customer service, down to how the items are packaged. Mm-hmm. You know, I want customers to feel like, you, there's been times I've shopped brands online and it'll be fragile items and it's just thrown in a box. And I, I understand that maybe you have a large volume of, of, of orders that you receive on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis, but just by the way you package your product shows the customer that you care. Absolutely. It speaks volumes about other things that are going on within your company and within your brand. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you know how many emails and uh, that I we receive that say, you know, I can tell that Colored Rain cares because the way you guys bubble wrap my eyeshadow palette to try to eliminate damage with all of our product powder product. Because who wants to just throw something in a box and then your hair it's shaking around like, you know, come on. Come on. So things like that, mm-hmm. that was number one for me, mm-hmm. how we presented the product, the items to our customers. I love that. I love that. So at the time when you launched, though, brands mm-hmm. like MAC Cosmetics were already known for having very colorful eyeshadow palettes and lip colors. And so how did you plan to set yourself apart from them aside from the customer service? Because they probably were also giving that. Better quality. Mm-hmm. I always push myself for quality, better quality. If yours is great, I'm going to try to be the best. Mm-hmm. 
better quality, 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 quality. I always say it's not about quantity. It's about quality. I say that to this day. And this is why a lot of my customers will say to you now, Colorine is very slept on. And I don't know why when they have the best quality, people always talk about the quality, especially without eyeshadows. I say to myself, if it can pass my skin tone, if it can pass, I even use my husband. He has very dark skin tone. Mm-hmm. Um, he's much darker than me. He's not a blue base, but he is much darker than mm-hmm. me. And even my sister, if it can pass their skin tone and it pass, you know, testing on them, I know it's exceptional. I know it is. I have sensitive skin. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to like just testing products, as far as does it burn my eye? Does mm-hmm. it burn my skin? Does it burn my lips? I use myself as that lab rat. I don't test on animals. We never will. Mm-hmm. We as humans are the are going to be the guinea pigs simply because we're the ones that's making the makeup. Right. You know, no one else, no other animal should be a sacrificial lamb. So it's just all about testing that quality and making sure that you guys get the best of me. Mm-hmm. And I think when, not I think, I know for a fact, whenever we put together a story, whatever it is, you guys get it, mm-hmm. you know, and you welcome it with, open arms because it's just like you get the fact that we're just not throwing anything together. We're telling a story. Right. And I see that in everything that you guys put out. And speaking of, of putting out products, what has been your process for launching new products and pivoting if the product for some reason doesn't work? For example, I noticed early on you had a line of nail polishes that you don't have now. So what's that process look like? Well, something like that. I'll test a product, a set of, of products out on the line. And um, I, I have my own, uh, you know, regards as far as nail polish. I personally don't wear nail polish, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to put the product out, right? Mm -hmm. So I tested it out, put it out there to see how, you know, it would do on the market. It didn't do well. Mm -hmm. So we just continued it. And the reason why I think it didn't do well is we live in a time and age where people are more attracted to gel. I wear gel Mm. simply because I don't like to sit there and dry. And then sit after sitting for like 15, 20 minutes, maybe drying walk out the salon and I happen to damage the nail polish. Right. So little things like that. I actually think really deep. I dissect and I think, why hasn't this product done well? Well, this is the reason why it couldn't have, or it possibly didn't do well. And I think every brand um, goes through that stage of let's test a product line and see how well it does. If it does great, great. If it does bad, then we'll learn from it mm-hmm. and we'll try to you know pay attention to what the, the consumers want. See what it is that they're asking for. Your customer base will always let you know what is lacking in the industry. They will always know. Especially in the age of social media, they will let you know. Yes, they they are very, very (laughs) vocal about it. And you have to be receptive to the feedback. Mm -hmm. You have to be. Customers will let you know if you've put out a crappy product. They have done it with uh, with products that we put out. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? When we're reformulating or we're putting out another new product, we know what to avoid. So I'm grateful for social media and the, the customer base that we have. No, I'm glad that you are receptive to iterating your products based on what people say, just because in this day and age, people are quick to drop a product that does not listen to its customer base. Well, here's why. That's because you have to understand that. And you can tell. Um, you can tell when it's about a cash grab Mm -hmm. and you can tell when it's more about passion. Mm -hmm. You can tell when it's pandering. You can tell when it's passion. Mm -hmm. You can tell when it's from the heart or not. So I'm just happy that the consumers are starting to really pay attention more and notice these things, you know? So it's, it's important and imperative to listen. I agree. I agree 100%. 
So in 2018, though, last year, your products were picked up by Target, along with seven other indie beauty brands. How did that come about and how did that impact your business? You know what? I've been blessed enough to wear a lot of um, major retailers and opportunities. They've presented themselves to me. Mm. Uh, That's a blessing because let me tell you, I remember when I first started out, when I first started the brand, um, I reached out to a lot of larger retailers Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful for the no's that I've received. Here's why. I wasn't ready. I was not ready. And I'm still learning to this day. Could you imagine Sephora reaching out to Colored Rain Cosmetics as an indie brand, maybe three, four years back Mm -hmm. and us not having the same platform that we we do now just not being prepared, how quickly we would have gotten booted out of the store. So again, it goes back to another thing that my grandmother and my family say all the time, all disappointments are a blessing Mm -hmm. because you never know. Um, If I had said yes, or if not, if I had said yes, but if Sephora or Ulta had said, okay, yes, we want you on our shelves and I did a crappy job, Mm. I wouldn't be there now. So I'm grateful for the no's that I've been faced with and given mm-hmm. um, because it helps me to and my team become a bigger and, and, and stronger brand. So how did it impact your business, the fact that you are now in Target? So the customer base, they, they show so much love. They're like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting to know that Colored Rain. I'm so happy to see a Black-owned brand mm. in some like Target. One of the things we had vendor day and one of the things that I had said to the Target team at the time was, I am so grateful for the opportunity that you're giving us as women-owned brand, minority-owned brands mm-hmm. to be seen in such a major um, um, conglomerate as Target, simply because, you know, Target, as a lot of people refer to it as, is one of the number one shopping places that they go, you know, whether it's for groceries, diapers, what have you. Mm-hmm. And it's easy also to get deterred. You're like, okay, I'm focused. I'm only going to get some milk and some diapers or what have you. Then you happen to see, you walk by the makeup line and you see a Black-owned brand. You're like, what? This is not Revlon. It's not CoverGirl or anything like that. You know, it's a Black-owned brand. Right. And it's a small Black-owned brand. And for that, um, you know, because of Target, I have been presented with um, a major collaboration opportunity that I can't wait to reveal um, this upcoming summer. Oh. Um, and because of Target, Um, you know, we're presented with different opportunities, whether it's in the entertainment industry or what have you. Because of Target, we are being noticed more. And for that, I am grateful. What was the point of inflection where you knew that you had made that right decision to leave your job to launch Colored Rain and when you knew you were ready to, you know, be approached by Target? I just had that blessed assurance. I can't even pinpoint. I just knew. I I just knew it was that time. And it's almost like a clock, an alarm clock that went off and it's just like, it's time. Mm -hmm. I knew it was time for me to step out and say, you know what, whether this is going to be good or bad for me, at least I would have experienced it. it if it didn't go in a positive direction and if it went in a positive direction, even better. So then it prepared me to, to be prepared for even bigger brands, you know, that I can be housed in. So for that, I'm always grateful for the opportunity, no matter how big or how small, you know, you always have something to take from it. Absolutely. So how has your business model evolved since you you first launched? You know, since I I remember, um, and my assistant would tell you the same thing, I wasn't as receptive to negative feedback. Mm. I wasn't as, um, 
you know, I always looked at giving out PR as, oh my God, um, you know, this is money, this is money, this is money. But what a lot of people don't realize is um, you have to be able to be comfortable in giving out your product so that people can help spread awareness mm-hmm. of your brand. Receptive to the negative feedback, so that you can learn in what areas you need to grow. So things of that, things like that, has allowed me to open up even more. Now I'm like, oh, add this person to the PR list, add that mm-hmm. person to the PR list. Uh, you know, I'm sitting there through social media, and a lot of people don't know this. Um, myself and other team members were scouting personally, going through you know profiles, scouting, looking for new, um, fresh faces whether that's male, whether that's um, a woman of color, a, a, a man of color, a person of color, Indian, Asian, mm-hmm. I don't care who it is. If your work is attractive to me and my team, we're looking for you, we're scouting, we're sending out a package. So because of that, um, I'm, I'm just more open-hearted and I'm more giving mm-hmm. and, and more aware of supporting the artists that are willing to support you just the same. Even the, the bigger artists, I've received so much love from major influencers. It's not even funny. Do you feel like you're able to leverage influencer marketing like the big brands do, especially given the rates that influencers are demanding today? I don't hate on the the bigger influencers for charging what they're charging. Mm-hmm. Simply because you have to look at it like this. They have a large audience, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They're putting their name on the line. Right their reputation by testing out, even be willing to be testing out your product and giving feedback, whether it, it was positive or it was negative. Before, people kind of afraid to give negative feedback. But I think it's important to, again, relay that message to your fan base because then it just gives them more comfortability as far as trusting your feedback. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, but I was always that confident in the, the, the product and the quality of product that we put out that we really never got major negative feedback on anything that we put out. Mm. And so I always say you can tell whether someone like what you're putting out, whether they use it or they don't use it. So if the influencer is charging a nominal fee, you got to understand there's equipment behind it. Mm-hmm. There's editing, there's a whole bunch of, you know, hours that they're putting into your product. So for that, you have to look at it and be fair and in, in, in understanding what they're charging. Smaller influencers, just the same. If they're charging, whether it's $500, $100, $1,000, it's still time that they're taking out of their day mm-hmm. to discuss something that you're putting out. So it's just on the brand in itself. I try to leverage both as much as I possibly can. If I can't afford it, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not ashamed to say if I can't afford it because, you know, we're still an indie brand. Mm-hmm. So if I can't afford it, I will let it be known, you know, unfortunately, you, you know, you're a little bit out of budget, but we would, you know, love to work with you in the future if you're, you're willing and, and, and open to working with us again. Just as that, it doesn't need to be negative. It doesn't need, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? You don't need to bash a person for what they're charging. Right. It is what it is. Because you got to respect their time and energy that they're putting into, you know, speaking about your brand. The monetary aspect of it is is just, you know, extra icing on the cake. And so aside from influencer marketing, what has been your approach to marketing? Because your product has been worn by Cardi B, Rihanna, Nicki Minaj, Gabrielle Union, Tracy Ellis Ross, just to name a few celebrities. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, We've had quite a few on us. And I have to, again, I'm extremely grateful because it just happened. A a lot of people would think, oh, you have to pay for this opportunity. Mm -hmm. And while that is true, I have to tell you a lot of these opportunities have been organic. And people 
just been willing to wear the product because it's that good. Mm. So because of that, um, again, that's one of the areas that we try to market in, Mm -hmm. um, but we haven't had to do a lot of pushing on because the makeup artists just love our product that much. Um, another area that we try to, to, to market in aside from influencers in itself is putting out more, um, imagery on the consumers wearing the product. If they Mm. see everyday women or men wearing, um, you know, a product that you put out, it, it just, it markets well, it's, it's accepted by the, the consumer base even better. So we take that approach. We also do a lot of newsletters, contests, giveaway, things of that nature. And we are very, very generous. Whenever we're putting out a new product line, Mm -hmm. we do massive giveaways because I love giving. I think I always say God doesn't bless you so that you can be selfish. He blesses you so that you can bless others in return. Agreed. Agreed. You know? And so therefore, because of that, I always make sure it's our motto. And uh, again, Aiden's Empire, who handles a lot of our giveaway sponsorships, working with PRs and things of that nature, Mm -hmm. he makes it his number one opportunity, uh, uh, not opportunity, his number one thing to do is Lorraine, we have to make sure we do a giveaway. We have to make sure we're giving this away. And we built our, even our gifting list. Um, so that people are more aware of the brand and they can see that, listen, you don't have to have like 100,000 followers, 50,000 followers. Mm-hmm. You can have as little as 100 followers. If you're, you put out great work and great imagery, we're happy to support you as an artist. That is such a great approach just because you grow from the grassroots support. And I think people are starting to notice that mm-hmm. the micro-influencers are probably going to give you the best engagement, the best bang for your buck as a product. Absolutely. They are. They're extremely grateful. And I have to tell you, every one of them that I've worked with Mm -hmm. have been phenomenal. I mean, the the support and the love that we get from them has been amazing. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't change it for the world. Yep. So you probably would get more than going with someone who, or more impact than going with someone who has 100,000 followers. And you're wondering, you know, how many of these are fake accounts? And I think there's so much more you have to consider. Yeah. And, and that's the thing because I've always taken an honest approach mm-hmm. and I know honesty can, um, as sad as it may sound, honesty can cause you to move a lot slower um, simply because you're not fabricating stuff or fabricating things or a story to put out there just to make a dollar. That's just never been the type of person that I am mm-hmm. simply because one, I'm afraid of getting caught. <laughs> Number one, you know, um, and I always feel like they, you know, how the people always say that all press is good press. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of negative press, mm-hmm. I'm just not a fan of negative press. And I know I can get so much further if I were, you know, fabricating things. I'm not one to fake the funk and buy followers and mm-hmm. buy likes. And it's challenging, especially on Instagram nowadays, to get noticed simply because they're changing algorithms every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fine and all good and well, but. I appreciate it more when you have to work your way to the top absolutely. rather than, you know, lie and say, you know what, I have a million or 2 million followers. And I'm not saying this is the case for everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly not saying that's the case, but I'd rather be truthful and, uh, and put out a true story than a false one. And so for that, um, you know, I rather, I'm not saying that I'd rather work with the smaller influencers because of this. You can trust the larger ones just the same. You just have to know who you're working with and you have to follow your gut and you have to do your research. R&D is important. There are so many different softwares that you can use now to see if someone is inflating their account. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
So that's just on you if you opt to go that route or if you opt to use micros um, who would spread the word um, about your, your, your product. So speaking about doing your research, what are some of the mistakes that you made early on that you would encourage up and coming beautypreneurs to steer clear of? Oh, naming. I remember in particular, um, just as, as little as naming a product. Mm. I remember there was an eyeshadow that I put out. Um, it's Secrets. It's known as Secrets now. But when I put out the shade, um, we, had, we, we had it named something else that was a little bit insensitive and I really didn't pay attention to it. Mm. I was more focused on, oh my God, I have to put this out. It's such a gorgeous, amazing color. But I didn't pay attention to what the name was and how it would offend mm. some people that suffer from this condition. And so from that, I always made it my my number one priority before I name anything or set it in stone and say, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. I think about it all the time. I'll even do um, research to, to see, look up the definition to make sure I'm not offending anything or anyone. Mm-hmm. I, I'm that picky and I'm that anal about things that I put out um, prior to making it available on the market. And it was my fan base that brought it to my attention. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was my fan base. And because of that, I've always, always, always made it my duty to pay attention to the little be. You have to be as detail oriented as possible. That's so a good tip. Mm-hmm. Taking offense to the feedback you get, you got to listen, open up your ears. Like my grandmother would say, stop breaking stone in ears and breaking stick in your ears. You got to listen. A lot of times people don't budge just because they start thinking about how much money it's going to take to walk back whatever mistake they made. But at the end of the day, you need to make sure you're catering to your audience, right? So that's well, a good tip. That's a good tip. Yeah, it really is. And it goes back to listening. If you if you pay attention and you listen, mm-hmm. it'll be less of, less of an, an expensive mistake to make. Lauren, at this point, you are seven years into your business. When will you know if you've succeeded? You know, to be honest with you, sometimes I still question myself, have I succeeded? Have I succeeded? And because of that, I look at myself as my own competition and I push myself even harder. Mm. Um, I will never be comfortable and say, oh, I'm to the point where I can sit back and relax and breathe and I got this celebrity, that celebrity. No, I'm your regular everyday girl that is behind the scenes, putting together color story with my team, Mm -hmm. um, you know, naming products and and creating new product lines and things of that nature. I'm never going to be that woman that is like super comfortable. I'm never, you should never get comfortable with being comfortable. If I'm, if I've built colored rain to the point where I'm comfortable with it, then it's time for me to look to do something else. Let me be uncomfortable. I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable because it makes me a stronger, better businesswoman. Ooh, that is such a good takeaway as well. Be comfortable Mm -hmm. with being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Could you imagine being comfortable every day of your life? You will never make mistakes. You'll never know if you're putting out crappy stuff. You know what I mean? You're not perfect. We're not perfect. We're human. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a boring life to me. (laughs) Robot. Go back to the robot life. You don't know. (laughs) And so at this point in the interview, we typically ask our our guests to share their one minute gem with the listeners who are probably looking to follow in their footsteps. So what would that one minute gem be from you? The negativity, the noise, the the naysayers, the people that say, oh my gosh, girl, don't do it. You can't do it. There's a million cosmetic lines out there. I don't care. We all have something different to offer, you know, to the table, to the consumers, to the market base. The the cosmetic industries is a billion dollar industry. 
there's room for more. There's a lot of people in this world. And what I have in mind, even though we may put out the same or similar color story, your formulation and your ingredients could be completely different than my ingredients. Mm -hmm. It all boils down to your preference. So when somebody's telling you no, you push them to the side, you move them from your energy, block them, block all negative energy, and you keep on pushing. Never listen to the naysayers. That's what I'm going to say from that. That's a perfect gem. So what can we expect from you and Colored Rain next? I got this major collab. I'm, I wish I could mention, I can announce it now, but I can't. I just want to wow everyone with it. Ooh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be launching around July, within July, hopefully by the second week of July. So we have a major, major, major um, um, release coming out. And I just, I can't wait to reveal it to everyone. And then we have, you know, our regular Colored Rain stuff that we're going to be working on. But this one is really taking a lot out of me. I'm up for the challenge. I've had sleepless nights, wet pillows from crying, wondering if I'm able, if I'm up to the task and should I pass it on to someone else? Nope. God bought it to my plate. I'm going to eat that full plate up and show it to the world. That's how you know it's big. You're having sleepless nights and thinking through it all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sleepless nights. (laughs) A lot of it. Well, for people whose curiosity has been piqued and now they want to know what it is, where can they keep up with you and where can they hear more about Colored Rain if they want to follow? Follow us on Instagram at Colored Rain and it's C-O-L-O-U-R-E-D, Rain, which is R-A-I-N-E. So Colored Rain. A lot of people don't get, Rain is from, it stems from my first name, Lorraine. Yes. You got it, mm-hmm. yeah. People are like, Colored Rain, Colored, is it because you're Black? And I'm like, no. <laughs> colored meaning all different types of walks, of skin tones, the various colors mm-hmm. in this life. So that's where you can find us on Instagram, Colored Rain, on Twitter, Colored Rain, spelled the same way. And on Instagram, I'm sorry, on Facebook, Colored Rain Cosmetics. Okay, we'll put that all in the show notes so people can go explore if they're ready to be colored like all your beautiful products. That's right, come on and be colored, man. A, a black and white world is boring. Bring some color in your life. Well, Lorraine, thank you so much for joining us today. I had so much fun chatting and I know everyone's going to love this interview. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. I'm always honored for anyone that wants to take time out of their day to just learn more about me and the brand. I, I'm, I'm truly humbled and grateful. Thank you. I'm so glad you made it to the end of today's episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please go on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and write us a review. As always, don't forget to share this episode with your friends, family, colleagues, anyone who cares to listen. We'll talk to you next time.